Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. I'm Erica Lynn, and we all know the ocean is the most demanding environment on Earth, consistently testing the reliability and durability of our equipment. When you spend as much time fishing as I do, you know that reliable gear is essential for staying on the water. This is why I went with Abyss Battery to power my trolling motor, electronics, and outboard. The guys at Abyss Battery are rattling the saltwater industry by manufacturing performance marine batteries specifically designed for sonar, outboards, trolling motors, and electronic fishing reels. They're also Bluetooth compatible, so I found Checking battery statuses right on your phone while you're out on the water is a huge game changer. To learn more about why Abyss batteries are used by the pros and factory installed by Premier Boat Builders, visit abyssbattery.com. Welcome back, everybody, to an exciting episode of the Chasing Tales Outdoor Podcast. I am your host, and I am joined by my deer slaying, turkey slamming, hog hunting of a co-host, Chase. Dude, your season has ended. You have moved on in life, but uh, how do you feel after the, the like the last month and a half? Oh man, I am. I was tired. I, I can <laughs> I can tell you that, man. I was out there grinding it out during turkey season just to get my hands on one bird. <laughs> for for turkey season had a lot of opportunities it was a fun time I, I don't think i'd ever put that much into a season as far as time wise ever for a turkey season as i did this past season which was good uh learned a lot uh basically learned that I, i'm gonna have to expand my horizon on places that i hunt for turkeys <laughs> but uh it, it it was good and uh i'm, I'm kind of resting recuperate recuperated now and looking into diving into some new things now that it's basically what we kind of call the off season but it's not really an off season it's just a a time where we're probably we're not hunting deer we're not hunting turkeys we're, we're looking for other opportunities out there yeah yeah it's uh you know I grew up being a deer hunter and then like a squirrel hunter and then I, I found the wor- the realm of ducks and then I found the realm of a multi-season state for deer and then I found turkey and the more I realized there's really no off season at all for you and I <laughs> you, we just we just roll from one thing into another but I'm pretty tired too man I feel like I'm starting to catch up on some sleep and get things done around the house because as everybody knows man I was burning that candle from both ends during turkey season right yeah it's <laughs> It's always interesting when it's like, all right, it's, it's time to start doing some chores around the house, yeah. getting some things caught up, because I know during, at least during deer season, I mean, my mind is not on anything that no. even close to doing stuff around the house or projects <laughs> or anything for three and a half, four months. Right. Like every solid moment, I'm just like, okay, well, I need to go shoot my bow or I need yeah. to get this ready or I need to tinker with this. All hunting related <laughs> has yeah. nothing to do with... And luckily, the grass doesn't grow 
a majority of that time, so I don't yeah. have to worry about cutting the grass either. <laughs> but a lot of stuff gets neglected uh, around yeah. the house for sure during uh, during that time. Yeah, I, you know, I, I do a lot of, like, dirt road riding to get to, like, hunting spots and a lot of mud holes I have to go through. And I, I'm just a firm believer in I shouldn't wash my truck too often or get too serious about it because it's one of those things, like, dude, I'm going to wash it on Monday, and four days later I'm going to go pull trail cameras and I'm going to have mud all over the side. So I got to looking at my truck and it looked pretty shaggy the other day, and I said, man, I need to wash this thing down. So I washed it. I put some protectant on the plastic and got it going, looking good again. I vacuumed the interior. In fact, this might be the best. If you hurry up and come up here, Chase, this will probably be the best you'll ever see my truck. Because <laughs> that was the first time I washed it, dude, since like November. I mean, like, oh, yeah. I, I'm just, it just doesn't seem like a, I, so the next step is I'm going to go out there again and wash it probably in a week or so. And I'm going to wax it and, you know, be a little more intricate in it. Because I need to take care of my truck, obviously. But it's just one of those things where it's like, Man, the grass here gets neglected. It grows up, man, and and then I'm out there, you know, <laughs> in between hunts trying to whack it down and get and get going. And my wife just kind of, you know, God bless her, she just tolerates my my uh, lack of presence around here during deer season. Right. Yeah, for sure. I, I my truck. I think I washed it in between deer and turkey season <laughs> at one point, <laughs> just to knock the all of the dirt and mud and everything off of it and the inside I kind of cleaned it up a little bit but I was yeah. like well turkey season's right around the corner so it's gonna be a disaster again so I, I've got a I'll probably detail it here shortly <laughs> but like you said it's always short-lived because the next thing you know I'll be driving into the woods and it'll, yeah. it'll be dirty again but it just won't be full of hunting stuff like right. it normally is during the season like my yeah. kids have to like find a path to find to get into the truck to get into their seats because there's just so much hunting stuff in the way which is pretty funny um and then i'm always looking for something i'm like where where did i put that i thought that i put that over there and like one of the kids had thrown it somewhere in the back seat or whatever so it's always it's always an adventure especially uh looking inside the truck during deer season or turkey season because st stuff's just everywhere yeah, no, it really is. But I think that is the, the sign of someone who takes it seriously. I think if I ever go hunting with a dude and he has to like unpack his closet to put it in his truck to go hunting, that dude just doesn't hunt very often. <laughs> yeah, I'd, More I than think, likely not. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've, I'm even, I've got to the point now I bought, um, I bought some Rubbermaid totes and I've kind of got like go totes now. So like one of them every year, like whatever season it is, rather, that's going to be my items that I put in there. And then the idea is, it doesn't always work, but the idea is everything goes back in there when I'm done hunting, and then I can just take that whole tote and put it in the closet. But, man, you get back to the truck, and you're hot, and you're sweaty, because let's face it, it's still 80 degrees in November around here. And, and uh, you know, you just toss the saddle in the back, and your boots go on, this, on the floorboard. I mean, you're just, you're just desperate to get back home and get a cold drink. So, I don't know how well that'll work. We'll see. Yeah, you, you can try it. I've tried it. And it didn't work. It didn't work for me. I worked like a day or two, and I was yeah. like, eh, well, this, I'm just throwing it in. The car seat holds most of the stuff. Uh, <laughs> oh, so what you're saying is the key to being organized is to have kids. Yeah, yeah, you just throw it all in the car seat, and, but then when they got to get in the car, then you just have to throw it all in the seat beside yeah. the car seat. So it's it's just rearranging the, the chaos that's in the back Oh, is man. all it is. But, hey, I, I wouldn't have it any other way. Yeah. So oh, yeah. I used to have a nice truck or I used to rock. It's like, oh, I'm going to keep my truck nice and all this, that, and the other. And then finally I was just like, you know what? Bump it. This is a hunting truck. This is what you do. This, that's just, a, that's just the way it's going to be. 
just right. I'm just I'm to the point where I'm like, well, I'm just going to rag this thing out as long as I possibly can. It doesn't really matter. <laughs> just rock with it. I don't need a new truck or anything like that because it's just going to be a disaster area by the time deer season rolls around. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It You know, my wife, if we ever have to take people somewhere, um, we just take her car. It's always nice. Yeah. It's got the letter. You know, it, but she, but again, she goes, she gets in it, she drives to work, she gets home, she puts on her slides, and she goes back in. So it should look that way. That's that's going to probably end up being the family car. And uh, my kids are probably just going to grow up uh, checking for broadheads and, and pocket knives whenever <laughs> they sit down in the back seat, you know. <laughs> oh, yeah. No doubt. Oh, man. Well, so this episode is going to be kind of a – more relaxed episode. We're probably going to bounce around some. Um, we've got some fun topics we're talking about. We're going to tee up some topics that are coming down the pipe as well. Um, but we got to kind of have to close, start to close out one chapter, and that is turkey season. And now I know we've got a, a lot of PA and Ohio and and uh, Michigan listeners, and I know you guys, your seasons are just really getting going. But by and large, things are starting to wrap up around the south, and uh, you know, as you move further north, it's starting to wrap up pretty quickly. I think Georgia ends as we record this about a week or so. So, you know, I I've been tagged out for a while, so my mind has kind of shifted from turkeys to uh, to uh, hogs and deer. The next opportunity, chase as well. But uh, dude, we haven't. You know, you you, you missed the last episode. Uh, you were on the intro, but you weren't actually a part of the episode, so we didn't get a chance to talk to you about your turkey kill. So why don't we take a moment and talk about that, um, but probably before we do, why don't we thank the people who make the show possible? Yeah, let's do it. All right, so first and foremost, we've got our Patreon subscribers, and last week you saw that uh, the winner, John Porter, got a React 5 Trophy Ridge site. Super excited to give that to him. He is a darn good dude. We love having him in our small group chats, and we're working on going live about probably about once a month to our Patreon subscribers now that I found uh, some free public access uh, Wi-Fi not far. So we're always trying to, to get you guys a little more content, interacting with you guys, and thank you for financially contributing to this show. We could not do it without you guys. We wouldn't be able to travel. We wouldn't be able to to buy the equipment and upgrade and move on to the bigger and brighter things like our YouTube channel if it wasn't for you guys. So huge shout out to you. And if you're if you're thinking, hey, that sounds kind of cool, this quarter we're giving away a tethered Phantom saddle, Versa straps, and a backband. This is dope. This is this might be one of the largest giveaways we've get we've done yet, Chase. Oh, no doubt. This this has to be the largest giveaway yeah. that we've done. So uh, I'm I'm looking forward to it. And anybody that's a, a patron or thinking about being a patron of the show, y- you need to go ahead and get on that because this is one of those probably it may end up being our biggest giveaway. We don't know yet, but it's it'll definitely be one of the best giveaways that we ever do. Probably. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean. It's it's going to be a good time. I'm thrilled that we're able to provide this benefit. So huge shout out to Greg and Ernie at Tethered for helping us uh, continue to grow this show. Obviously, they are the, the title sponsor of this podcast. And without their help, you know, you and I wouldn't have gotten into saddle hunting. You wouldn't have got one of those bucks you got last year by being able to get in that tree. So huge shout out to Tethered. They are a fantastic saddle hunting company. Great customer service, awesome fellas, made right here in the U.S. of A. So if you're thinking about getting into saddle hunting, if you've got questions, reach out to us. And if you're interested in buying a saddle system, tetherednation.com, they've got you covered. 
And of course, we couldn't go without mentioning the Yakin for Bass Challenge. Now, I know a lot of you guys probably don't do a lot of bass fishing or you don't do it real serious, and that's okay. Neither do Chase and I. Realistically, we only do it when we're forced to at gunpoint during the summer and we're just desperate to get out of the house. But realistically, guys, we are holding the second ever Yakin for Bass Challenge, and we're trying to raise money for TakeMeFishing.org. TakeMeFishing.org focuses on recruiting the next generation of anglers both young and old like myself, they are just out there trying to provide resources for people who want to get into fishing. And realistically, we need those people. We need that next generation. So we're going to do what we can this summer to raise some money for them. And if you're interested in joining, it's $25. We've got a, a load of, of giveaways from, let's see, New Canoe, Yak Attack, Shady Rays, Cavs Creek Custom Jigs, Alpha Lure Company. We've got a bunch of fun stuff to give away, and all of the proceeds, anything that covers our operating costs of having the Tourney X application, is going to TakeMeFishing.org. So scroll down into the show notes, take a look at what's down there, and uh, consider signing up because it's a darn good time. Yeah, it is. It, it is a great time. I mean, last year when we kicked this thing off for the first time, the month long aspect of it just to me just adds to everything and it gives everybody a chance to get out there and uh, catch some fish get on the leaderboards and we do all kinds of giveaways besides first second third place we try to do weekly winners as well and that could just be posting a picture of you with a fish so there's all kinds of chances to win so if you guys are even remotely interested in this tournament, you should definitely check it out, and we hope to see you out there. Yeah, and don't forget about our small group, Yakin for Bass Challenge Tournament Group. It's a great way to win additional prizes that have nothing to do with the fish and, and talk smack. We're all currently dogpiling on top of Austin for, for letting his wife outfish him in the last tournament. But, uh, you know, it, it, it's, it'll be my turn here shortly, I'm certain, and Chase will probably rotate to him. But it's a good time to fish against the guys that you listen and watch and raise money at the same time. We've got a goal of raising $700. We raised 350 last year. So help us hit that goal if you're interested. We'd love to have you. But, uh Chase, I think we've done the business part of this. Let's talk about you, the Stone Cold Killer, Chase Iceman Prince. Dude, you grounded out all during turkey season, and you got on a bird. Kind of recap that for everybody. What did that that look like for you? Oh, man. Well, the the season, I mean, it started off hot for me. I mean, the, the, I didn't get out like opening day, but I kind of went out the, I did get out there that first, well, I got out there that first evening to kind of scout, maybe find some birds, see if I could roost them for the evening and saw several different groups, uh, kind of going back to roost that evening, got out there that first morning and it was on fire. Uh, I just couldn't make it happen. They were, they were kind of hinned up that first day. And I probably, I didn't stay out there as long as I probably should have to kind of get on some of that midday action, but I had some stuff going on. So, but then uh, I went out the next day, there was a little bit of goblin and I, I, the birds weren't really on the, the property at that point. I mean, they were right on the property line. They were just off the property. And it was just one of those things where they, they hung up on the fence for one reason or the other. I'm assuming it was just hens. They already had hens, so they weren't willing to make that little leap over the fence uh, to take some uh, shot to the face for me. (laughs) Weird. (laughs) I mean, it's it's always hard, dude, when you're sitting there staring down a bird at 20, 25 yards, and you're like, and there's that barrier there. You're just like, and it's not that they're necessarily behind anything. You know you could get the shot on, but they're just not on the property. 
uh, that, that you're hunting and you just have to sit there and watch them walk away. And I did that multiple times um, where I just couldn't get them to come over that fence. But they always, I mean, they always had hens. And there was one point where I'm like, oh, they're, they're coming. The, these birds are coming. They were alone out in that field. And I was like, I, I had them coming in. And then the next thing I know, I see like these four hens run out of nowhere and pull them away from me. Uh, I mean, the, the hens came running to them and I'm like, what on earth is going on here? I just cannot seem to get these birds to cooperate <laughs> with me over here. And that was all within like maybe the first 10, 12 days of the season, probably. And I bounced around a little bit to another property. Uh, there wasn't this year, there was a place I took you last year where it, it, there were some good birds there. Uh, this year, that wasn't the case. Um, there were some, I got some jakes on trail camera and never, I never, every morning I went in there, I never heard a bird gobble in there. Like I never heard one gobble in there the entire time that I was in there. And my father-in-law hunted a little bit. Uh, he heard some gobbles maybe a little bit before the season, but then once the season started, I don't know if they moved out or did whatever they did, but there, there just wasn't a whole lot going on in there this year. And one of the things that I do have to say is I, didn't put in my due diligence this season as far as scouting for turkeys uh, and what I mean by that is just like going out I went out like one time before the season started to listen for some birds in an area um, and then I didn't have any trail cameras up before the season catching birds uh, I think just based on the last couple of years I kind of like laxed off a little bit and just to thinking oh okay well it's I know where birds are it's going to happen I don't really have to put as much work and time into it as I have before. And I think that was one of the things that kind of held me back this year is just not putting in that work prior to the season. Yeah. And I kind of paid for that uh, the rest of the season. Because after, like I said, after about the first two weeks, like in that one area, the birds, it was kind of like they, they quit gobbling. I don't know if it was just pressure from me. And there's there's other hunters in there. I'm not the only one hunting this area. Uh, there's, it's an actual club. So there's a bunch of other, and I was seeing those guys in there every time I was in there. So I don't know if it was just a pressure kind of got to them or they're just like, Oh, I'm not going to gobble anymore. Or they just kind of moved on some, uh, my buddy that I hunted there with, he, he got on a bird early, like the first weekend, uh, that was just hot. Just one of those things where he was just randomly called, hadn't heard a bird gobble all morning long bird gobbled. And then a minute and a half later, the bird's down. You know what I mean? Just one of those like quick hunts where you just, you cut or yelp real quick and there's a bird nearby that you didn't know was there. And he just came running into uh, his death, I guess. But, and then he ended up getting one on maybe a little bit later uh, that kind of, that he got right off, like basically flew down right off the roost um, to him. So, but after that, after that, I, I went in there, I wasn't even seeing like on the back half of the season, I wasn't seeing any birds that were in any of the areas I'd seen them earlier in the season. None of them were out strutting. None of them were out with hens. I wasn't hearing any birds gobble over there. And fortunately I was able to get access to another property, one I had had access to in the past. And it's this huge, basically cattle pasture. And there's woods all around it, but it's the, the field, it's probably, I say huge, but it's probably 400 yards wide by 700 yards long. Just this big open field. There's kind of a pond there, and it's it's surrounded by woods on the north and south side, basically. There's a little bit to the 
east side and there's kind of like another pat there's a little bit of woods that break up another pasture on the other side that that kind of break it up but there's always been birds in there um but one of the difficult things is is they got this huge field and they'll kind of gobble on the roost a little bit but then once they fly down and gobble like once and pop in a strut then the hens come to them it's just one of those things where they're <laughs> so used to the hens coming to them that they right. won't even like if you call to them they they literally do nothing like it's not like they're like like somehow they'll like kind of peek their head or look intrigued or something over an area or they'll right. or they'll just go ahead and pop up into a strut if they're not strutting or they'll or you get them to gobble they don't do that <laughs> like they, they really don't even look up whenever you start calling i mean you can call as loud as you want you can use every call in the book and it really doesn't get their attention because they're always used to being out in that field and having the hens come to them they're just like well i'm i'm not coming to you there's and there's normally a bunch of hens in there. So when you got like 10, 12, 13 hens uh, in that area all around, you're like, okay, well, cool. That one's kind of making some noise, but there's 10 of them over here. And they would kind of group up. And I got, it was one of those deals where it's almost like you, you have to go sit a bunch of times to maybe try to figure out a pattern to what they're doing. But then once you kind of got that pattern, they would do something totally different. Like they may roost on the the complete opposite side that they were roosted on one day. Um, I had a lot of close encounters before I ended up shooting the bird that I did, but I, I kept kind of moving around. This one was like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to set up over here today. Okay. Well, he, he's over there or, and once you're out in that field, I mean, there's kind of some woods that you could butt up to, but you had to butt up to those woods. But once you're out in that field, and they start gobbling, you can't make a move or you can't make a move really in a wide open field. Um, I mean, especially when they're still in the tree looking down at that field. I mean, they're looking right down on top of you. So even if you were trying to reap one or do whatever, uh, they're still going to see what's behind it. Um, and then once they kind of got in that field, that's the only thing I didn't ever really try was reaping them or fanning or whatever they call it was because they're, they were never – the gobblers were never in there alone. You know what I mean? Like there were birds that would be in all parts of that field. So as I'm trying to, is trying to move up on a bird, but when there's seven or eight other hens that are right behind you, they can tell something's not right. I mean, when you got stuff that could be all around you and those birds are so skittish, like they could be 500 yards away and then you could be leaving to walk back to the truck because you're and there was no there was no good way to access the place you basically had one way you can access this place because it's kind of landlocked on the other sides so you could so a lot of times I'm like well man I know those birds are going that way if I could just enter in from that back side then I'd be golden like I'd just be sitting there waiting on them but there's no way to do that the you have to go across the field and the second you start moving across that field they hightail it like you can be like i said it could be 500 yards away and they say movement across that field that doesn't look natural to them they're gone like they're hauling butt which i'm like man i was like how is this possible you got this bird that's 500 yards away and there were times where i'd seen a coyote out in that field deer all kinds of other stuff moving around in that field and they wouldn't haul butt you know what i mean like yeah. they don't run off but they see something that's totally camoed out 
that's walking across the field, not even towards them, away from them, and then they still haul butt. Right. I'm just like, man, I've got to find. I was like, I think I'm gonna start hunting in like deer deer colors. Just, just be like, maybe maybe they'll think I'm a deer out there instead of just being in camo. <laughs> just just being in deer colors. Yeah. I think I was like, I'm gonna try this next year. If I get to hunt that spot next year, I'm just gonna go in there in all khaki. You know what I mean? <laughs> just just show up in all khaki because. Even in the camo, there were several times, like, I would go hunt it, kind of, my father-in-law would come with me, and even in camo, like, just sitting up a, in, in, like, some bush next to a tree, there were several times that hens would bust you, like, 20 yards out. Mm. Like, walking, like, they would look, and I would be back even further, and I'd be kind of, like, looking over at my father-in-law, and then all of a sudden, you'd hear, pick, pick, mm-hmm. and then the bird would start walking away and walk around. It's like, what the heck is going on here? It's like these birds, man. I don't know what it is in that field, but they're they're they were definitely super weary for sure yeah. in that field. And I'm like, well, maybe I should maybe I should just try something different. Maybe I'm just going all khaki and look like a deer. <laughs> try to look like a deer the entire time because the deer could walk out right beside them and they wouldn't do anything. Like right. they they wouldn't even look up. Um, and then a coyote came out and walked within a hundred yards of them, and then they didn't bust with a coyote. What? Yeah, this coyote came across this field, and uh, there's even a crazier story with a coyote this year that happened with my father-in-law. S- super crazy, which actually ended up letting him kill his second bird this season. Um, all wow. just to- total total craziness. But this coyote came through this field. He wasn't really he didn't really look at the birds, but I mean he was a hundred yards from the birds, just kind of trotting across this field, and they just looked at him as he went on. Wow. And I'm like. <laughs> okay, well, I, 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 I don't know anything about turkey hunting. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I know nothing about turkey hunting. but And then one time I was, it was funny because, but another time I'm sitting there, I'd, find, I'd found this tree that was kind of like out, it was kind of out in the center, but it wasn't like in the dead center of it, this huge oak tree. And I'm set up next to it. And I'm thinking, because all the birds had always been coming out most of the time from the north. Like they would, there was, there's this pond there. And there's like this little head that comes out, but that's right by the pond. And a lot of times they'd come just in between the pond and that head. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to set up on this tree. I'll be back here and I'm going to be facing, I, I can be hid behind this huge oak tree. And then they'll just come, eventually come cruising past me. And I would, I would have a decoy out. But what I figured out with the decoys is the decoy was more of a hindrance than it actually helped. Because I'd have like a, a hen decoy out there. And I'm like, okay, well, maybe he'll see this hen decoy and he'll come straight to it once he sees this hen decoy. But a lot of the times the hens would fly down first and they would fly down to the decoy. And then the decoy would sit there and then they would get all like, what's going on here? How come this thing's not moving or responding back to me or anything Mm -hmm. like that? And then they'd get all skittish and then they'd run off from the decoy about 50 to 100 yards and look back and then that would put them on a different track. So then you got all these hens over here, and then the guy was like, "Oh well, shoot, there's like eight hens over here. I'm going to go that way. <laughs> I'm not going to go to this one, this one single hen." So I finally, I was like, "I'm not even using the decoy uh, anymore because all it does is just dis- yep. distract just put, these hens." Just, yep, yep. Um, so anyway, so I was behind that, and then I was behind it. Well, I hear a bird gobble, and I think he's almost. There was another little head of trees, and I was thinking, I was like, "Oh my goodness, he's in this head of trees. He's right beside me. I can't move now. I'm like stuck on this tree." <laughs> But he was actually just a little bit further on the fence line. He flies down, and he 
is like almost, he's kind of at an angle, but he's behind me. I'm facing the other way when he flies down, gobbles a couple of times, goes into a full strut and just sitting there in a full strut. Mm. And I'm like, and I'm just staring at him stuck up against this tree. Like, I'm like, I can't move because he was basically strutting facing me because that's where all the hens would be coming out anyways. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, well, it's not like, and I didn't want to swing around on one that's already 50 or 60 yards away. So I'm like, okay, well, maybe he'll kind of come this way some. Well, there was some hens in that little head. They flew down basically right by my decoy because I did have a decoy out that time. And they end up just walking straight to him and end up taking him off and I just had to sit there frozen because I'm like, well, if I move, I'm busted at any point in time. They're all going to, they're all going to see me and haul butt. And then he just ended up working all the way down to the uh, south end of the field. So all this has happened. I finally, me and my father-in-law kind of finally devised a plan and we're like, okay, here's what we're going to do. So he, he comes with me that morning and there's this fence area where you can look through the fence and pretty much see the whole field. And, but you're hidden because it's all brushy and everything else. So he's like, and he was already tagged out. So he's like, hey, I'm going to sit on this fence. And then I was going to get all the way to the south end. I wasn't going to set up where they had been uh, coming out from the north because they would always kind of go to that south end and then strut kind of over in that area. So I'm like, okay, I just, I'm just going to play. This is just going to have to be play the waiting game. Basically, you just I'm just going to go down to the south end and wait for these birds to get here. And my father-in-law was going to sit up in that corner and be texting me because I can't see that because there's there's dips and everything else in that field. So a lot of the times you can't really see where the birds are. So he's like, I- I'm just going to text you, be like, hey, I hear the bird goblin or he's flown down or he's headed your way and all that stuff. So I'm like, okay, so I'm going to have intel <laughs> on what, what the birds are doing. <laughs> so he's he's so he starts – so that morning he, he starts texting me. He's like, oh, I hear a bird goblin. He's over here. I'm like, okay, cool. They flew down. He's like, all right, they've flown down. They're in the, the center of this field. They're they're kind of just slowly making their, their way towards you. So I'm just sitting there. I'm like, okay, well, I'm, I'm here for the long haul, so I'm just going to sit. And I'd never had a bird from the south. I'd never had a bird come out of the south. Like I had all the times mm-hmm. I'd been there, never seen a bird come out of the south into that field uh, in, in the morning times, only in the evening times when they were going back to roost. So I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm just sitting there, relaxed. Like, oh, well, I got a ways to go. They're still 400 yards from me. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I'm just, and I, I was sitting, there was this little head that kind of came off, same thing, like this little head that came off, and I'm just kind of sitting in those woods because it wasn't, it was probably 30, 40 yards from where we'd always see this bird strutting at uh, it, mid-morning. So I'm like, I'm just, okay, so I'm, I'm going to be stuck here for another hour or hour and a half waiting for the birds to get here. So I just got my gun down beside me. Don't don't have it at the ready or anything, just sitting there. All of a sudden, this bird flies out of the trees. Like, he had to be w- within probably 60, 70 yards of me. And earlier before that, I had kind of just sat there and just kind of purred with my call a little bit, just scratched it a little bit. I was like, I'm just going to purr, make a couple of light clucks, just in case there's something over here. But it didn't gobble. Like, bird didn't gobble. So this bird flies down probably 50 yards from me. And it's a gobbler. Hits the ground, goblin. Goblin like crazy. And I'm like, what in the heck is going on? But he's he's right where I'm at, and I can't – and I would have to turn, grab my gun, and try to get a shot. So I'm like, well, I'm stuck here. He's going to have to go out in front of me uh, a little bit and get behind some of these trees so I can make a move to grab my gun. Mm-hmm. Well, he kind of – he goes out away from me, but he he's kind of going at an angle. And then I'm like, okay, well, cool. 
I'm going to go to grab my gun. Well, as I go to grab my gun, I look up. A Jake had a Jake comes out of the woods, <laughs> and this Jake and he had and he started working his way back to that Jake because all of a sudden he starts kind of working back, and I'm like, oh, he's working back. Now I have a chance to grab my gun. Well, this Jake comes out of the woods. Jake sees me move, so he starts making some, those little pet pet noises, and I'm like, oh my goodness. <laughs> So the Jake kind of runs off, or the gobbler runs off too. But he's he runs and he, but he's still gobbling, like he's still gobbling like crazy. It was it was weird because it was there was finally a bird that was on the ground that was gobbling like crazy that morning. So he runs, so he he takes off. He's running. Well, he sees the other bird that my father in law has been seeing, and he runs up to him. And they're, they're probably about 100 yards away from where my father-in-law was. And he was gobbling, and he's gobbling like crazy, goes up to him. And then that bird that was strutting, he goes out of strut and then just goes to feeding, doing whatever. So I'm like, okay, well, I guess that's just the dominant bird in this area. He, he's decided to come out of this area. So I'm like, well, I've ruined, I've ruined this hunt. My chances of uh, – I was like, but maybe that maybe that other bird will still come down this way. So I'm still just going to sit tight. So I'm sitting there, and I watched that other gobbler – he still goes. Like, once he gets past him, he, he kind of looks at him. But then he still runs almost all the way to the north side, so about 600 yards. Like, he finally disappears over by where the pond's at. And I'm like, I was like, what the heck is this bird doing? So I'm sitting there, and all of a sudden, three hens fly down right beside me within 30 yards from the tree. So they were still up in the tree. they just been sitting there up in the tree this entire time, and they're like, oh, I guess it's time to fly down. So these three hens fly down. I'm like, okay, well, at least I got some uh, live decoys out in front of me. And they kind of moseyed around me a little bit. And all of a sudden, I look up and I see the gobbler that had gone six, 700 yards. He's running back <laughs> to, the south, to the south end where I was at. And I see him coming across this field. And these hens are just slowly working their way out in front of me and are working to the side where he's always strutting at. So I'm like, okay, well, maybe this will uh, maybe this will be good. So I see him coming. I Like I said, I see him coming the, the whole time. Like I can see his white head, and he's running back down towards me. And those hens kind of get to the side of, side of me where they're on the other side of me now, but they're 30 yards away. And this time I've got my gun and everything ready. Well, he works his way all the way back to those three hens that, that were on that side and puffs up, starts strutting, and then – Finally, he kind of cleared some trees and everything where I could get a shot at him, and I was able to uh, close the deal on him. But it was it was a weird hunt in the fact that the bird, that's why I called him the yo-yo bird the other day, because he was there, he went all the way out, and then I basically he got, he got reeled all the way back in from 600 yards. So he covered whatever it was, 1,200 yards there in that 20 minutes, searching for hens, I guess. But, um, it was, I mean, it was a fun hunt because my father-in-law, he's over there and he could see where I was at and he got to watch the whole thing unfold <laughs> from, wow. from where he, from where he was at. And he said that the, and then the other bird, I don't even know what happened to him. He said he, he kind of disappeared behind some stuff and he never saw him again. So it was, it was a fun hunt. Uh, not how I had drawn it up. I was, like I said, I had drawn it up, but they were going to fly down in the North and then just work their way to me slowly over time. Mm. But of course... Uh, as you know, in the in the woods, in the wild, that that's a lot of times that's whenever you have plans, something always yep. else happens. <laughs> and I had been bust. Like I said, there were three different times when when that bird flew down on me, 
when I was up against the oak tree facing the other way when he flew down right on top of me that I got fooled. There was another time I sat up in that head, and then all the hens were like up in that head, and they all kind of flew down to my uh, decoys, and I'd heard a bird gobbling, and I thought one of them was the gobbler. So I just kind of turned my head, and I looked back, and I can see my decoy. Well, it was some hens, and they're just like working around that decoy, and I'm like, well, I can't move now because they're they're looking in my direction. And once they finally kind of go off a little bit, I go to turn back to my right because that's where I expected them to come out anyways. And I look and three birds take off and I look back and it's the gobbler who was like 20 yards to my right <laughs> that I was like, why did I look back to my left? I had this thing in the bag. He was, he came right through here where I was expecting him to come through. Um, so it was just back and forth. They always had my number. It seemed like, like it was just like nothing I could do was right. Uh, mm-hmm. this season, like everything kind of, everything I thought was just, it was, the opposite would ha- end up happening. Yeah. So I was just like, well, I, I don't know. I never – and the weird part was about the season that I can say is I never got on a bird, like, in the woods. Like, just being in the woods, gobbling to where, okay, cool, I can kind of make a move on them or whatever. Every bird I saw this season was in a field. Like, they were always in a wide-open field somewhere. They were always in the wide-open somewhere where I couldn't close the distance – and I could sit back and I could call to them or do whatever. And I just don't know if I – a lot of times they're on the other property and then they would just keep moving off the distance in that property. Mm-hmm. And I would sit around for a while, but uh, I was like, well, I'm not going to – I didn't have time to just sit there all day long to see if they would end up coming back because a lot of times they'll end up doing that after they break off from the hens. Like, oh, wasn't there a hen calling over here? Maybe, right. I'll, maybe, I'll, maybe I'll come back to this area. Right, yeah. But – it was just a weird season, man. Like I said, I, I didn't I didn't draw my quotas this year. I didn't. There was two properties that are normally prime time for turkeys that I wasn't able to hunt this season where I pretty much always get on turkeys over there. Right. And it, it's, it's a totally different story. So I was working against that. And then the coronavirus thing hit to where I couldn't come up really and visit you. And then I was busy at work quite a bit. Uh, from the coronavirus as yep. well. So it was just one of those seasons where like everything aligned to where it was like, man, this is the weirdest season I've ever had <laughs> turkey hunting. Um, yeah. You know, but it, it was fun. It's one of those things like, you know how coaches will talk about after a football game. It's like, you know, they got a lucky bounce on the fumble. I mean, sometimes it's just that, like sometimes it's just the ball bouncing in your favor that makes all the difference. And when you look at all those different weird opportunities that just, the bird just does the opposite of what you need them to. I mean, that's just, that's just luck, you know? I mean, that's just, you know, yeah, a part of it, you know, but I, I'm curious. Oh, yeah. You said one thing early in that, and that I, I kind of want to touch on. You said, you know, you feel like you didn't maybe do the, the, or I think you said this, didn't, did, did you say, did I hear you say that you don't feel like you put maybe in as much time as you should have scouting for Turkey before the season? Oh yeah, I definitely did. What what do you think? How do you think that would have changed? Because you put in a lot, a fair amount of time. What do you think that would have changed for you? Well, I feel like, well, one of the things I feel like is in this one area where it's hot like the first week or two of the season, mm-hmm. and then it dwindles off pretty hard in that area. And I, if I would have put the time in beforehand, figuring out where a lot of these groups of birds were. Uh, and I think I would have been able to get on them and I, I probably would have got it done sooner 
to where when it was hot in there because when it was hot in there was my time to kind of shine in that area and it it and I like I said I had no the only like I said I went out one time about two weeks before the season to listen for a bird gobble in this one area well the bird he was gobbling his head off it was just one of those mornings where he was just gobbling his head off uh to everything that was making a noise in the woods I'm like okay there's birds over here well I didn't plan on there being people in there between the time that I got there you know what I mean like in that two week, the next week was youth season. So somebody went in there with a youth and went in there and shot one of those birds. You know what I mean? They, they got on one of those birds before I even got in there. And the opening morning, there was somebody in there hunting as well. So it was one of those things where I was like, well, okay, cool. You didn't have any other backup plans other than you heard birds gobbling one spot. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like I had... And then on the other property where I, where it was the one I took you to last year, I didn't I, – last year I had out cameras, so I knew several different areas where there were birds because they would be, like, strutting on camera or doing whatever. This year I had none of that intel or knowing when they were passing by that area because a lot of times last year they were in there in uh, – sometimes they'd be there in the morning, but a lot of times that uh, birds would go strut in there in the afternoon. Like mid-afternoon they'd be in there strutting. Well, I didn't have any of that intel from this year, and I just assumed that's what they were doing this year. So I would go in there, and there'd be no sign of a bird any of the times that I went in there. So once I finally put a camera up in there, all that was passing through there, because I'd see tracks and stuff on the roads. Um, And that was one of the things that I didn't see a lot of this year was, like, strut sign in the roads on all the places that I normally hunt. You'll always see, like, strut sign of birds, and I just was not seeing any sign of that. Uh, this season yeah I was I mean I would see a turkey track every now and then but but like I said I was seeing them all in the fields like that that's where I was seeing them all I don't know why they were this year they were just hanging out right next to them fields and they'd fly down into them fields every morning Um, and they just weren't coming over to uh, a lot of the areas that they had come in the past so and but also, in that area, there was a lot going on. There was people in there doing pine straw everywhere. There's right, people bush hogging in there this time of the year. You got hunters in there. So there was a lot going on in that one area that uh, I like to hunt uh, this season. So, like I said, there was a lot of things that aligned this season that maybe maybe that's uh, – maybe I, I've kind of learned my lesson to be like, hey, you need to get out. You need to get – do the scouting and trail cams and all that hardcore and make and get it done early so you don't have to worry about struggling the rest of the season trying to find a bird because like i said i know a lot of guys like they got on some birds early but then as the season progressed they weren't hearing any gobbles like the birds just quit gobbling for whatever reason maybe probably pressure but it's difficult when they're not gobbling (laughs) i mean and you're not seeing them uh, if, you, if you're seeing them, then okay, cool. Well, maybe I can make a move and get on this side, and maybe that's the way they're headed. But if you're not seeing them and they're not gobbling, then you're just, okay, I'm going to set up in this spot and hoping one will come in at that point. So I'd rather I, I'd rather just go, okay, I did, I'll do all my diligence before the season, and hopefully that will get me uh, in the game sooner as opposed to playing catch-up, figuring out where the birds are and what they're doing. So – all right, let's make a little bit of a, a transition here because you've started you've started to make a shift away from turkey season and, and on the same vein as as scouting and getting ready. What are you doing to get ready for deer now that turkey season's over? 
Well, for deer season, I don't, I'll run some cameras right now just to kind of see like how the overall herd's doing. Like, okay, they're, they're putting their, uh, their antlers are coming up. The, the does are dropping the fawns. And I like to see when the does are dropping the fawns to kind of go, okay, well, that's when she got bred. You know what I mean? You can go, oh, okay, well, let me go back seven months and be like, okay, this is when these does were being, being bred. And I haven't, yet i've yet to see any fawns yet on my trail cameras so that that's kind of what i use this time for and they kind of they make transitions kind of throughout the the from spring summer where they'll they'll shift a little bit to what they're doing so i don't take a lot of stock in trail cameras this time of year other than i'm just kind of getting okay cool the the herd seems to be doing well like I've looked at some pictures like, oh, well, that, that doe looks really like she's worn down or I can see her ribs or I wonder why right. that is. You know what I mean? Or, oh, all these does look healthy. Like I can tell they're pregnant in the pictures. They're about to pop. Stuff like that uh, is what a lot I'll do with the trail cameras now. And when I'm out there, I'm still scouting. I'm still, I know areas that I like to be in uh, for deer season and I'm looking going, okay, well, this looks like a good tree to set up in during the season. You know what I mean? Just just kind of walking by, be like, oh, that that looks like a good spot. Or, oh man, there's a ton of deer sign over here that I didn't come into this area this past year, and it looks like it's covered in sign. So I'll mark that on my onyx for coming in uh, prior to the season and going. Oh, I want to hunt here at some point, or put some game cameras in here. Right. I got you. Yeah. I. You know, right now I think there's a fair amount of. Um Oh, what's the word? I'm trying to think of finding what I'm in a transitionary point because like right now, you, you know, our rut just ended for me. I mean, what is it? It's May, like the beginning of May. So three months ago, you know, right. like I still don't, I still am not convinced that our bucks even have like, you know, velvet yet. Or if they do, if it's even enough to, you know, tell me if it's a quality deer or not. So I'm kind of hesitant to put out too many cameras right now here locally. Um, but like, dude, Tanner sent me some photos today from Middle Georgia, and there's some, there's enough on top of their head you can start to identify some, some like, okay, that's gonna be a big old boy kind of deer. So, you know, for me right here locally, I'm just kind of looking at tree stands use. I'm, I'm I'm going to new areas, and you know, there's a lot of leaf cover now. The trees have come out, but you can still get back in these areas. It's still kind of cool. And I'm just trying to survey how often people are using these areas. And then probably in the next month or so here locally, I'll, I'll start putting out my trail cameras and try, try to start, you know, gauging how many deer are in an area, because I think that's kind of where my focus is going to go is, you know, I've got two doe tags. I want to fill those two doe tags. And then after that, I'm kind of looking for like a a good density of, of quality deer and a low density, a lower, cause it's Florida density of, of, of people. And, um, you know, there's not a whole lot I can do right now, but I'm trying to do something. Yeah. And I mean, I'll probably at some point get out at least on the private areas where we'll, maybe we'll start planting some food plots or putting out some mineral stations, things like that. Um, is what I'll, is what I'll start doing. But it, it's a, it's kind of one of those weird times where it's fixing to get super hot, <laughs> where you don't necessarily want to be out there uh, that much, um, and then you've got 
all of the red bugs, ticks, and everything else that you're dealing with that are going to be out in droves this time of year as well. <laughs> so I, I kind of like to leave this time where I kind of leave them alone a little bit as well. Or it's just like, hey, let's just, I've been out in the woods. I, I hunted a bunch during the season. I've been out there turkey hunting, which is also, you're not hunting the deer, but you're making your presence known that, that you're there. They are, they are still feeling a little bit of pressure. Uh, I mean, they don't necessarily know that it's not hunting season, but there, there's a lot going on in the woods in those times. And I just kind of like to use this time a little bit as time to kind of let them relax. You know what I mean? Give them four or five, four months or so of just relaxation, like not going in the woods that much, just to maybe let them feel like, oh, okay, cool. I can relax again. There's, I, I haven't smelled a human or seen a human or anything like that in three or four months. Uh, er everything is, is starting to feel good again. Maybe, maybe they, like I said, they, they get a little bit of uh, a laxed or whatever. So when I do go in there, well, they're, they're not already on high alert, at least that first little while of the season. So I like doing that as well. But I do what, one of the things that we do during this time is we, we got to kind of decide, okay, well, can we, are we finding new areas to hunt? Where are we going to hunt during the, the season? Are we putting in for our quotas or uh, I know I'm going to Iowa this year, so I've got to, I've got to apply for that tag and stuff like that. So I'm kind of taking care of some of that stuff during this time as well. Hmm. Yeah. You know, during Turkey season, Clay, you know, he is like super only look for turkeys, but I, you know, me being the generalist that I am, I'm walking through some of these areas. I'm like, Oh man, this looks like a good deer sign. Like, this looks like it could be a good deer year. And then also it's like rub, rub, rub bed. And what's really funny, dude, three times this year when I was hunting in this bottom, I'd be like, oh, look at that branch. That that tree right there pro provides like shade and I can tuck right up in there. And as these birds are coming up, the hill, they'll never even see me because I'll be in the shade. And I'd sit down in there and I'd look around and all the leaves are like pressed down. <laughs> and there was, and I'm like, oh man, looks like this is a bed. And then I'd look around and sure enough, there'd be hair. Like, a lot of hair in there. And it was all, you know, brown hair, deer hairs, um, some white in there as well. But um, it was kind of cool because during my my turkey pursuits, dude, I think I may have landed on some, like, legit areas to find deer. And what was really funny is I spent so much time in this area, all of that sign was where the tree stands weren't. <laughs> right. <laughs> it was like this super crash course of, huh, these deer literally look, look how obviously these deer have adapted to where these tree stands are, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I'm, uh, they, they definitely do that. And that's why I like to, uh, run and gun, uh, as much as I can during the season because right. and and the deer are shifting as well too. So, uh, and they're, and they're going to shift with that pressure. Cause like I said, they may move out once the pressure has gone, they'll probably move back to those areas where the stands are. You know what I mean? Right. Right. And then as soon as that pressure gets there, then they're going to move back into that area that you found. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, and I think what I'm going to do is, you know, you, we were talking about putting trail cameras out and taking survey and stuff like this. I feel like this is kind of like a little core bedding area that I found and I'm kind of tempted to go back in there now and just hang one isolated camera because there was this this area that had several different little it didn't look like does bedding in groups it looked like and based on the rubs so that was the other thing is as you got as I was sitting there I'm looking around I'm like okay well if this is buck 
if this is buck sign, then, you know, there's going to be rubs as he gets out and stretches his legs. Right. And I look up and I rechange my focus from looking for deer and I start looking for, or I'm sorry, quit looking at turkeys and I start looking for deer. And as I, as I bring my eyes up, it's like uh, just scattered everywhere, 20 yards around me rubs and like on four inch trees, you know, we're not talking just like little pines. I mean, he thrashed those too, but so I'm tempted to go back in there and put that camera up because this is one of these unique areas that I could legitimately water access, dude. I could, I could put my kayak in up river, paddle my way down in there, pull my kayak up, pop up over this little ridge, making relatively, you know, I'm going to make noise no matter what I do. Right. But I'd make relatively little noise. And then, you know, let's say I can get the wind favorable. The deer's not going to be going off that ridge behind me. It's pretty steep. He's going to be taking the path of least resistance. It's almost a real like hill country style hunt in Florida, which is kind of weird, but uh, I don't know, man, we'll see what comes of it. A lot of white oaks back in there too. So I'm kind of, I don't know. I'm kind of jonesing to get out there and scout, even though it's hotter than heck right now. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be warming up here shortly. And a lot of the summer, like I said, I just kind of leave them alone. Yeah. Just let them leave them alone and uh, focus on some other things that I could be doing. And yeah. I, like I said, I, I'll start putting trail cameras out in certain areas uh, as well. A little bit here and there, but nothing crazy. Once maybe you can kind of start to identify the bucks yeah. decently yeah. is when I really focus on, okay, I'm going to get all my cameras out. And that's usually towards – Sometime in August, maybe, maybe that first week of August or something right. like that. They, right. They've grown out pretty good. Um, and then I'll, I'll start honing in. Okay. Well, he's in this area right now. Um, hopefully. And yeah. a lot of times I don't, I, and a lot of times I don't see, and like I said, I'll get velvet picks and then those bucks will move on to somewhere else right. and I'll have a, a new batch of deer in yeah. my areas. So it's, it's weird how that happens, but it's just a shift. And then once, but once that velvet comes off then they like i said they all start getting territorial at that point so then that that kind of makes for a a shift during the season so that's why a lot of times i'm like well some some deer and i had on the one property i had a ton of deer summering uh on our one property i mean we had a ton of pictures of bucks and velvet and everything else and then as the season started a lot of those bucks disappeared and then Mm -hmm. we had some new bucks move in as well so it's kind of it's kind of funny where I'm like, well, I'd like to kind of know a little bit here and there, but a lot of this information may not be useful during the season, but some of it may, but uh, some of it's not. Yeah, and I think you and I are kind of in like different like places, right? So like you get to hunt a lot of private. That's where you do the majority of your stuff. So for you, you're just kind of building more information on that. Whereas for me, I'm very much in a discovery, like a search and 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 find kind of place you know you know i kind of talked about this the other day I, i'm probably going to brave the heat a fair amount just trying to get you know bucks on camera i'm less worried about like identifying oh that's a big buck or that's you know alpha omega two's little brother uh <laughs> right <laughs> but you know it's it's like for me i need to get out there and i need to to eliminate land i got to get out there and be like okay this looks great here are the hunt the places where people are going to be here's the places I think there might be deer and I need to confirm that they're there. You know, I need to look for that right sign. I need to look for, you know, stuff. So, um, I'm probably going to be about 20 pounds lighter by the time deer season gets here (laughs) is my prediction. (laughs) Yeah. Well, that will be good. That'll get you ready and primed for the season, man. That's it. For for you to gain the 20 pounds back. (laughs) That's it. Yeah. A little Debbie's and coffee in this, in the tree stand, right? 
<laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, that'll get you ready to to gain it. So. Oh, man. All right, dude, so let's do this. Let's not just amble on. Um, I think we've kind of set the tone. Turkey season's kind of left its, left its mark on our lives, but that chapter's behind us, and now it's time to kind of focus on deer. We got the Yakking for Bass Challenge. Deer season's coming up. We're probably going to start phasing into deer content. Um, we've got some really good guests lined up that I'm really excited about. Um, so we've, we've got some series planned out that I think uh, will excite you guys. So pardon us as we make a shift from turkey into deer. We're not completely done with turkey, but that, that shift is coming. We're probably going to start talking a little bit of fishing. Not much, because I know you guys really like your hunting content. So we uh, we appreciate you guys doing everything that you're doing. Stop what you're doing at the end of this episode and go register for the Yakin' for Bass Challenge if you're interested in raising money for the next generation of anglers. And until next time, enjoy the great outdoors.